Be Your Best You, the Passionate to Purpose podcast with David Delaney. And good morning to you. This morning we talk to Maninia Griffith. Maninia is a passionate social activist with over 20 years experience in fields of advocacy, law and social justice. Today she leads Belong to Youth Services, which is Ireland's national organisation for LGBT plus young people. And as executive director, she is dedicated to supporting and empowering LGBT plus youth and achieving a world where they are equal, safe and valued in the diversity of their identities and experiences. Melania spent eight years as Director of Marriage Equality, an organisation working for and historically achieving equality for same-sex couples in Ireland. So Melania is acutely aware of the needs and challenges of the LGBT plus community in Ireland today. We talked to Melania about her work in those areas and much more. Melania, good morning and you're very, very welcome to this episode of Be Your Best You, Passionate to Purpose. It's great to have you. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Tell me a little bit. Um, tell me a little bit about what you do. Right. Well, um, I'm currently the CEO of Belong To, which is the National LGBT Youth Organization. Um, and so, what we do at the core of it is provide safe spaces for um, LGBT young people to meet other young people who have are going through the same things, uh, similar life experiences, peer support really. And then we do workshops around minding your mental health, your sexual health, um, harm reduction around substance use, um, we, and then all sorts of fun things as well. So one week it might be a workshop on Harry Potter or beekeeping, you know, so lots of that kind of stuff. Obviously everything's digital at the moment. Um, we also provide one-to-one support for young people. So LGBT young people, unfortunately, are still at a higher risk of mental health issues because of isolation and bullying and um, the fear of rejection, uh, which has gone up hugely during um, lockdown. Uh, we can talk more about that if you like. But uh, so that's a lot of that is a lot of the support that we provide at the moment is one to one online. So via email, text, WhatsApp, telephone, that kind of stuff and Zoom. Um, then we also work in partnership with Pieta House. So they provide free counselling for LGBT young people who are experiencing suicide ideation or self-harm. And then more broadly, what we do is we support um, youth services around Ireland to make sure that they are, uh, you know, feeling comfortable to support young LGBT people, no matter where they are in the country, with direct targeted LGBT specific groups or just to make sure that their service is inclusive. And we work with schools to do the same. And then we run campaigns around um, anti-bullying stuff. And we work with the government um, around policy and legislation to make sure that the rights of LGBT young people are, are protected and, and recognized. So lots of stuff, we're really busy. Um, and uh, and it's, it's this year has been, well, the past 12 months, like everybody has been a huge steep learning curve, but I love my job. Every day is different. It's exciting and um, it's really great to be able to, I suppose, continue the work that I started when I was working in marriage equality um, to help shape Ireland, you know, and, and the future, this and future generations of young LGBT people and or the world for them to make sure that it's um, a healthier, happier, more equal place for them to to exist. 
the full plate with sound uh, <laughs> and it's it sounds I, I suppose working one of the strikers from young people in technology it's probably a little easier in the sense i'm not saying it's easy because we all you know the challenges have been have been massive but the young people i think are probably more clued in like say people working who have worked in an office traditionally nine to five all their lives and have had to basically work from home something that they've never done before with new technology with new working practices so working with people is pro probably a tiny tiny bit less of a challenge because they're only you know they're already on devices they're, they're, they're picked in so the challenge you mentioned their fear of rejection and stuff like that like we we, we speak to people on, on the podcast um you know about about um about what what has been challenging so for, for young people growing up in, in Ireland, we, we talk about marriage quality and stuff in a second, but, but what, what is the biggest, what, what, is there a single biggest challenge for young LGBT people in Ireland uh, right now in, in the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, um, the three biggest issues, because I know this because we, we record the issues that, you know, um, young people are making, con making contact um, about. So the biggest one is coming out still is the biggest issue. So that fear of rejection, you know, will my family accept me? Will my friends still like me? Will I be, you know, ostracized from my peer groups? Will I get bullied? All that kind of stuff. Because, uh, you know, so whether it's real or perceived, that fear is the crippling. It's that shame and stigma. Dr. Niall Muldoon, who's the Ombudsman for Children, is a child psychologist, and he talks about this really eloquently, much better than I do, I can, but he, he talks about that it's, the, it's that shame. It's the shame and the silencing and not being able to be yourself, not, be, not being at ease with yourself and worried that people find out about you. Uh, that's what does the huge damage to um, to a person's mental health and well-being. So coming out is, is the biggest issue. Um, you know, schools are still, unfortunately, in Ireland, 73% of LGBT young people don't feel safe in schools. And we did a big piece of research um, in 2019 um, with Columbia University in, in the United States. They've been running this survey for 20 years. We ran it in Ireland. And I mean, honestly the the stories that some of the young people came back you know give me still give me nightmares about the kind of bullying that they experience in schools um so it's not surprising then that coming out is still a huge issue um for young people you know who by the very fact that they are living still living under their parents roof they're still in school so therefore they're confined by rules and regulations and and by you know a lot by you know society really and, and society's expectations of them that they would worry about about coming out and, and that fear of rejection the second one is mental health issues so um we know from a big piece of research that was done by trinity college um a number of years ago that lgbt young people are twice as likely to self-harm and three times as likely to experience suicide ideation and four times as likely to experience severe, extremely severe mental health issues like depression or anxiety. Um, and that's obviously not just because they're LGBT, but back to that fear of rejection, isolation. Very often young people will self-isolate to protect themselves from being found out or will be isolated, excluded from others because they're LGBT. And then the bullying that goes on. So it takes a, it takes a sometimes tragic toll on, on young people's lives so that's an issue that we deal with on a daily basis um, and signpost young people then on to 
uh, places like Pieta House um, for that additional su clinical support that, that, that they need. Um, and then the third issue that, that LGBT young people um, are, are struggling with is around trans issues. So um, I suppose the lack of healthcare for young trans people in Ireland, um, the lack of acceptance and understanding um, of trans identities and trans experiences and the absolute, you know, violence online about trans people. Um, well, it ranges from a casual kind of transphobia right up to horrific things being said that completely dehumanize um, trans people. And I don't know if you've been watching it's a sin that, that that documentary on Channel 4 about the AIDS crisis in London in the 80s. And it really reminds me about what's going on for trans people at the moment, that dehumanization, you know, talking about body parts, talking about surgeries, talking about all this medicalization and moving very far away from these are human beings we're talking about. These are people, people like you and I, they could be our, our family members, our friends and you know, instead of listening to them, this whole kind of fear about um, stuff that might never, may never, ever happen um, and the impact that that it could have on, on me or, or mine, you know. Um, mm -hmm. So they're some of the, they're the three biggest issues, I suppose, that LGBT young people are coming to us in, in, in Dublin uh, with. And it, and, and, and it pretty much matches with what we're hearing from the youth clubs and youth organizations around Ireland who are supporting LGBT young people as well. On that, with, with support, I mean, there's lots of things from, from listening to you about the challenges. Um, you know, something that comes up quite often is, is technology, and we've mentioned it already, and the use of technology. Can, can it be something like two steps back, almost after taking a step forward? Like, so we have this isolation now when people are, people are at home and people have, to, have these you know, already existing challenges. And you mentioned the bullying and that kind of stuff. Has technology, you know, has it amplified and has, has it made it, I'm not going to say worse, but has it caused its own challenge in itself for young people with the likes of social media and stuff that we may not have had, you know, 10, 15 years ago? Is, is that something that comes up in discussion as a challenge within itself for young people? I mean, is technology a problem when it comes to transphobic and homophobic bullying with, with young people? Well, the first thing I'll say is, it, social media has been a lifesaver for a lot of LGBT young people, especially LGBT young people in rural settings or where they're not out. <clears throat> they can go online, they can have a fake name or an avatar, uh, you know, they can be in a gaming community or in a, a pri private space online and get to be themselves, although maybe with a fake name or an avatar, but express who they are. Um, and find their own tribe. And that really decreases that sense of isolation. Um, so you will find that LGBT young people um, um, in general are more, uh, would use social media more than non-LGBT young people because of that, they can find their tribe no matter where they are. And in COVID, that's been hugely, um, a hugely positive thing. On the other side of it, of it yes, I think, <clears throat> What we've seen in recent years, and it's not by accident, um, is an increase in um, hate speech, incitement to hate, um, anti-LGBT language, anti-LGBT sentiment, um, all of that. And that's very, um, 
you know, that's very much pushed by a far right agenda. Um, we know this from talking to um, human rights activists and human rights defenders um, in the UK and the US and, and other places in Europe who track this kind of stuff. They track the narrative, they track the language that's being used. And, um, you know, so the far right have lost on things like um, marriage equality, they've lost on, on issues around um, abortion rights. Um, and the next thing that they're really trying to do is focus in on trans and LGBT and, and, and dehumanize us and dehumanize members of our community. And so what happens then is uh, they are very clever. We may have been smart 10 years ago in terms of how we used um, online platforms for good, if you like, for, for progressive change and to educate and to raise awareness and to share stories um, so that we could get the message out to people. They've leapfrogged us now um, and they are using um, online platforms to spread that message of hate. And so we've seen a, a significant increase in um, you know, the abuse that young people are experiencing online um, and just the normalization, the normalization of very hurtful language, um, you know, ranging from seems innocuous enough, seems absolutely, um, uh, you know, said with the best of intention and not without malice or anything like that, right up to, you know, um, you know, calling for, you know, murder and, and all sorts of stuff. So it's, it's really, it's really scary. And it's something that uh, uh, as citizens, we need to be aware of fake news. We need to be aware of how we are being manipulated, how we're being dragged down rabbit holes online um, to read about things that, you know, mightn't be true. And might, you know, so it's really important to know about our, you know, that whole digital literacy is, is, is becoming more and more important, I think. I'm just going to uh, we'll go a slight tangent. Um, you were a solicitor for 10 years. Yeah. Uh, so you're sitting there in your solicitor's office. What happened? And all of a sudden you just like, when, when did you decide, you know what, I'm going to change the country. I'm going to, I'm going to be part of, of this. I, I, I'm going out and changing the, the law. <laughs> what happened in your, in, in your world that you decided to, to, to start the fight for marriage equality? Yeah. Um, well, uh, not to put too fine a point on it, I kind of a kind of a bomb went off in my life. You know, um, I was coming up to my 30th birthday. I was working as a solicitor. I was married to a lovely man. Um, I lived in a house that we'd bought together. I was doing all the things that a good middle class girl, um, Irish girl is expected to do uh, by her, her mommy and her daddy. And I was bloody miserable. I was very unhappy. I had become um, very unwell physically as a result of that anxiety and the anguish that was going on. Um, it was taking its toll on me, obviously mentally, but physically as well. And I, it just came to a crunch. Um, and, uh, you know, there were some very dark days and I just had a kind of an epiphany that was like, I'm you know, something has to change here. And so, so it did, you know, I, I, I uh, 
took a, a huge leap of faith and um, not without a lot of support and help. I had, you know, I'd met some amazing women through, I'd gone back to UCD to do a master's in women's studies and I'd met, made some friends um, who were out and in long-term loving relationships and who were moms or not moms and who had careers and had everything that I wanted and I thought was beyond me or that I didn't deserve I suppose and um and so they gave me the courage you know to to make that step also I think learning reading about and learning about power systems and homophobia and sexism and racism and how it's all connected and how we're socially conditioned to think you know and all that unconscious bias and me you know um and the hard time I was given myself and so it helped me with all of that and I also did a lot of counseling um, so within the space of a few months, I had left my job, I had left my, my husband, left my marriage, left my home, um, and uh, yeah, and I, I, I started to, I was volunteering with uh, the Cala Advocacy Initiative, which is Catherine and Anne Louise, Catherine Zapone and Anne Louise Gilligan, who were taking the, a case through the Irish courts to have their Canadian marriage recognised here in Ireland. So got to meet them and they were like, oh my God, just amazing. I, I know, I know you met them too, Dave, on the on the um marriage equality tour, but they were just you know, very significant people in my life. Um they were role models, very generous, uh, kind, patient and passionate people, um, mentors and and um, you know, they really yeah, changed my life and and so I came to give some work volunteer with with their campaign and then it kind of snowballed from there you know it was kind of I think that I think that sometimes some people when they come out certainly was my experience that all that energy that you have wasted um hating yourself hiding yourself um you know uh, worried about things that really don't bloody matter uh, you suddenly have all this energy and this positivity and you feel I certainly felt good I felt like literally a weight had been taken off my chest um and I was you know it was like a whole new world had opened up to me and so um I kind of fell into it and then I suppose from a personal point of view having been married you know um I just did not understand why um heterosexual relationships would be valued over same-sex relationships when the same kind of love and support and commitment and all those other really valuable things that we know are valuable to us as individuals as human beings for our families for our communities for all sorts of reasons you know um uh why why they, they would be treated differently and so i suppose with my legal background my passion for social justice um it, it kind of all made sense, you know. The the, a lot of people see the, the, the referendum, which was in 2015, a lot of people kind of only saw, I suppose that the public side of that only happened in the last kind of 12 to 18 months. But I mean, the work that you guys were doing behind the scenes, I mean, that, that was years, that, that went on for years and years and years. And, um, you know, it's certainly fantastic to, to see, I mean, you're featured in, in the documentary on Netflix, um, you know, to see the work that, that led up to that. One, one thing that, that I'm going to ask, um, <clears throat> again, just I, I suppose, 
what was the in the campaigning and the knock on the doors? Like this, this ramped up, you know, obviously towards towards the referendum. What was the I suppose the highs and lows of the yes equality campaign? I mean, was there a particularly fantastic response that you got from from a no perspective? Um, I, I know certainly from Canvas and there were some interesting responses yeah. out of fear, out of curiosity, out of whatever. What was the best no response that you would have got? And you stood back and went. I can't answer that because I was just, you know, off the wall. <laughs> what, was the, what was the best one that, that you would have got? Oh, God, I can't remember now. But, I mean, there were some, <laughs> definitely some hostile receptions, you know. I remember yeah. pulling into a, a, um, a town and um, there was an old fellow waiting for me with, you know, no teeth and a wisp, a wisp, a wisp of hair across his um, head. And he was hurling abuse at us. And I had quite a young team of volunteers on the bus with me. And he was quite scary, you know, he was quite violent. I wasn't sure that he wouldn't start like physically going for people. So that was quite hard. Um, I was also in, uh, um, you know, we've had, we had canvassers being spat on. We had all sorts of horrific things being said, mostly people at the doors, you know, if they were no, they just go, no, I'm a no or no, thank you. And they just close the doors, you know. Uh, people don't want the co conflict but on the streets there were terrible things my worst experience there were two bad experiences one was and it was towards the end of the campaign and I think I was, I was just tired but I was up in Stillorgan shopping center and you know this place I went to school nearby I grew up nearby um place I, I thought was would have been fairly okay you know South County Dublin you, you, you think but very hostile Kind of response and it, I was very dejected. I, I remember getting back on the bus and having a cry. Uh, I just didn't want to see the other the volunteers seeing me, but um, just feeling like, Jesus, how can be people be so heartless, you know? And that was that was pretty bad. The worst experience was um, uh, with a, a church thing. So we were at the time we were um, part of a, a parish we've moved away now but a lovely inclusive parish um they knew we were same-sex couple we had our daughter baptized there they're just lovely um lovely people lovely people and um a well-intentioned person in the that the parish organized a series of events talks about different things and and um one week was around spirituality and sexuality okay and um, there was a, a, a colleague of mine gone to talk and because it was only up the road I said I'll go up and you know a bit of moral support she was talking about you know being a being a gay man and a gay catholic man and how <clears throat> excuse me he kind of you know um despite the teachings on it how how he remained faithful and how he how he worked that I suppose out in his head and anyway he gave his talk he was well received mostly and but then the questions started and the questions were very pointed away from him and really at marriage equality so the organizer kind of saw me in the 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 audience asked me to stand up and answer them and as I stood up and moved to the front I could see the the, the, begin, the first few rows were packed full of all the familiar faces of the no who would be on the tv they were from a parish up the road that's very very conservative 
Um, I don't have any money, money, and just be careful about saying things because I know there's. <laughs> I won't name them. I won't name them. <laughs> we can't. We can't name them. So I don't have eighty-four thousand yeah. to, uh, to spare. <laughs> but they were. They were. They said awful things to me, you know, and personalized attacks on me being a mother and all that kind of thing. And I. It was the only time I've ever like broke broke down and cried in public like I just felt so attacked and I think it was because I was in my safe space amongst other people now the beautiful thing that happened was after that event you know people from my parish came up and they were like oh I don't they're from up the road you know they're not us don't you worry about them we don't think mm-hmm. like them and all this kind of thing and I, I you know I had a, a um you know a visit and I had cards and all such stuff from people from the parish when we went back on um to the church the next uh, Sunday you know people come up and shaking our hands and going you know they weren't from this parish now and all this kind of thing you know and you know yeah. come, come polling day I saw loads of uh, of them coming out of the polling station giving me the thumbs up and and so that was lovely you know but it was it was tough you know I, I think for I'd heard all sorts of horrible homophobic things said to me into my face and you know you know it's not nice but you know I can put up with that but when people are attacking you for being a mother or attacking your children's rights or something like that it's, it's a line you, you don't cross you know of course we, we know the positive side of them I mean that there was an absolute you know it was it was obvious in, in, in the referendum results that you know the, the overwhelm of, of support. I mean obviously that was far outweighed the, the you know the challenges along along the way. Mm. Um so Menenia you could have said you know what ah you know brilliant it's June the end of June and grand I'm gonna take a few days off a few months off you didn't that November you ended up in Belongton. Yeah. So like a lot a lot of what we've been talking about and you can see you mentioned about the, the bullying effectively through the, the marriage quiet campaign and, and the the changes in your life that your experience in life is certainly something that that is a great support you know obviously in, in a job that they're doing now and supportive to to young people the platform that is there i mean through all these challenges that young people are facing you know uh, you know the, the, the challenge that they have they can get married if they want to. and that's that's thanks to the work that that you know you and the yes Corey team um, did i'm going to totally change it up now and ask you what your favorite song is and why Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> well, every day it's different. I, I love singing. I'm not a good singer, but I'm a, uh, I am sing all the time and drives my um, my partner and my daughter mad. Well, actually, no, my daughter likes it. She joins in, but um, Cloda, Joyce Cloda Mad. What's my favourite song at the moment? Jesus. I don't know. Would you believe of all the serious conversations we're having with people around the world, this is the stumping question. I know, <laughs> I know. God, God. Um, do you know what I love what listening to? So I, so I like I like listening, I like listen to podcasts and music and stuff when I'm going for my walk, you know, the uh, taking a break. Um, I live near the sea, so I go for a walk in the mornings to the sea. And um, I love that song. Um, so it's a, the version sung by Nina Simone, um, where she said, uh, here comes the sun. And um, that's just so beautiful. It's like, I listen to that and I'm finished my walk on the way home. And it's like, sets me off in a good, in good spirits. Yeah. Keeping up with this, the serious questions. If you had a um, desert island, but you can bring two people uh, on a desert island for, for a period of 12 months who would you bring oh that's easy Cloda and Edie 
my partner, my daughter. I mean, we've been literally on a desert island for the last 12 months already. And we haven't heard <laughs> each other. So, Lord yeah, Lord yeah, Lord. yeah, I would. Lord. They're, they're they, you know, uh, Edie just, you know, she's seven and she just finds joy and in air, in all sorts of things. Also moans, you know, and that's fine too. But she does. And then Clodagh, because she just makes me laugh so much. And she's so creative. Like we've, over the, the lockdown, we were doing things like, um, having French night and we'd all get dressed up as French people and eat French food and or a Spanish night or whatever you know so we made a big thing of it and she's you know yeah she's just grateful I love them both and the last question I'm going to ask you and we're, we're coming up on time the, the last question I'm going to ask you is who inspires you and why Oh, um, God, there's so many people. Obviously, I've mentioned Catherine Zapone and Anne Louise Gilligan, big, big um, inspirations for me, role models, people like Alva Smith as well, who was one of my teachers in UCD and still somebody I'm in contact with. She was obviously involved, obviously involved in marriage equality, a leader in that, a leader in, in the repeal uh, campaign as well, and somebody who I just have huge respect for um i also then would follow a lot of people on on instagram and um and listen to podcasts um so you know people like brené brown um glennon doyle um you know gosh there's loads of people um who would be kind of in the well-being kind of side of things and um you know so you know and and yeah, and, and a lot of, of them who are kind of still unpicking things around sexism, racism, not afraid to go with the big topics, you know. Yeah, tell us um, where we can find out some of the work. Um, where, where can we go to to find out some of the, the, the campaigns and the work that you do and belong to? Yeah, so I mean, the easiest way, I suppose, is, is our website, belongto.org. Uh, so there's loads of information there for, for young people, for parents, for teachers and other professionals supporting uh, young people, uh, free training, uh, lots of resources and materials as well. Um, and then on social media, we're, we're on all the, the main ones as well. Um, the big ones so Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and more on TikTok as well for communicating with young people. Um, and then you can follow me on Twitter. I don't say, say anything very interesting though. <laughs> Mostly it's just airing stuff. <laughs> perfect, perfect. And then that, uh, just your, your true inspiration. And hopefully there's some, um, you know, if there's a young person out there listening, um, you know, who's uh, been in a boat that lots of people are. And, and as we found, a lot of the experiences are, are shared. Um, so the, you know, you're, you're not alone. Check out belongto.org. Melania Griffith, thank you very much. Thank you, Dave. And that's it for another week. Thanks for joining us this morning and do join us next time on Be Your Best You. Have a good week.